Welcome to Anderswick Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Good morning. How is everybody this morning? As I'm asking that with my back turning to you, I'm just going to straighten up my board. I need to acknowledge, um, first and foremost, that there are knives on the stage, all right? So, uh... If you are listening at home, there is about um, 20 uh, chef's knives up here, uh, and I will explain about that when we get a little bit into this, all right, if that's okay. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name's Dave, I'm the location pastor here along with my wife, Michelle, and, um, and by the way, how cool was the worship this morning? We had three new members on stage, we had uh, Saskia here, Slop, we had uh, Donna uh, so Ashling, my gosh, you were emceeing. We had Ashling Connell and we had Nathan King, which is my son, on bass this morning. And he didn't know that he was playing bass until uh, this morning. He said, I'll go get the bass and play. And um, what's interesting about that is that Nathan, uh, he never learned how to play bass. He just decided he was going to teach himself. And so he went and um, he actually got gifted a bass, play, um, a bass and then he went out and bought some gear and now he's playing on stage. Well done, mate. So good. So good. Well, we're, we're um, currently in the middle of a series on relationships. This, seri- this uh, year we're doing a series on uh, discipleship. This is our whole theme of the year. And right now we're doing a series on relationships called Let's Get Honest. And um, this morning I'm pretty pumped about actually bringing this word. I believe that um, God's got something to say to each of us here today on this and this is a topic I feel like I've spent my whole life kind of preparing for this morning. So it should be pretty, pretty good to go. Those that know what it's about will understand it when we get to it. So um, today I'm going to share this title called uh, Relationships. Let's bring up the title. The Relationships, the one key ingredient you need but no one wants. So let's get honest. Um, it's, a, it's a lot. I'm contending for the longest message award, uh, title award, if that's okay. So relationships, the one key ingredient you need, but no one wants. Mm, what, I'm going to do a big reveal on that in a minute, but what do you think it might be? Any clues? I know one person that heard about it immediately got it. It's all right. We'll come to it very shortly. I'm just going to read right now from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. Uh, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son will continue. uh, We will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to full and complete standard of Christ. So I want to just repeat that a little bit. So that we will, we will mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. Clever, they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that we, the whole body is healthy 
and growing and full of love. I'm just gonna pray. Lord God, I just thank you for this word this morning. I just pray that you would uh, watch over these words. I thank you for the work that you wanna do this morning. I thank you, Lord, that uh, this is, is gonna be a word in season for a number of people. So Lord God, this morning, I just pray for your anointing upon it and that you would uh, just be here in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's start off by uh, making something really clear. I think God made us uh, for relationship. I think we can all agree with that. He made us for relationship, not only with Himself, but also with one another. I mean, have you ever wondered why people gravitate to cities and people gravitate to townships and into communities? Have you ever wondered how uh, some families like, like my own, where we've, I grew up in a family with seven, um, seven of us. It was mum and dad and five siblings. I think Joshua Kirk's family's got about um, 17 people in his family. So he's, he keeps on bringing them along. It's amazing. The Heslop family, they've got seven in their family. I've got six. We've got four children and Michelle and myself. We all tend to, uh, to gravitate together. You know, we, we, we uh, culminate in towns and in cities and in sports games. We go to concerts together. We go to movies together. Um, Lord help us, we go to swimming pools together. Uh, yep, and even in churches. And here we are this morning. Uh, God has inherently put in us a desire to connect with one another. I mean, can we all agree upon that? Awesome, well, that's a great baseline. So there are many different types of relationship and I've just written a few down here. We've got mentor type relationships. That's I've got a couple of mentors that oversee me and we relate differently as I would do to a friend. Uh, boss to employee is another type of relationship. Uh, husband and wife relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, parent to children as well and also friends to friends. And what I want to talk today about is about those relationships that are actually the most kindred to us. Those ones were about, you know, you would do anything for your best mate. Uh, you know, you, they would do anything for you. I mean, hands up if you've got somebody like that in your world. Yep, so I think lots of us absolutely do. We've absolutely got that person that's like your bestie. You would do absolutely anything for them. For me, I've got a couple of people in my life. I've actually been blessed with, with a few of them, but I want to bring up a photo right now. Look at this. Okay, so this was 24 years ago, all right? Look at number one, Skinny Dave. Uh, uh, longer here. Um, I, I asked, this is my, one of my best mates on the right-hand side. Is that, it's your left, isn't it? No, it's your right. Yeah, sorry, yeah, you're right. I asked him if I could tie my hair up on that day and like a good best friend, he said, no, you can't. You gotta make sure that you wear it down. Uh, the guy on, the, on our left is uh, a guy called Matt Harding. I just wanna tell you about these guys. So Matt Harding, uh, best man number one on the left. We've been through the fire together. We toured internationally. We have even slept in the same beds together from time to time when we've been over in Africa. Uh, I was the best man at his wedding. Uh, I personally hand-delivered his children. That part's not true, all right? I made that part up. Um, but anyway, we had some of the most intense disagreements known to mankind. Uh, and yet we are still the best of mates. I can go six months without talking to this dude, and when I speak to him, it's like there's not even been a breath between conversations. You just pick it up where you left off. Anybody find that with relationships? You haven't seen it for years, and all of a sudden you just pick it up. Uh, if he needs anything, I can ask him for it, and vice versa. If I need anything, I can give him a call, and he'll be there. He lives in Tauranga. Uh, best man number two. Uh, where's that photo going? Let's bring it back up. 
Thank you. Uh, best man number two is uh, this guy on the right-hand side. His name is Tim Frame. Uh, Tim is hilarious. He's one of the funniest guys I, I know. He's got an incredible sense of humor. We very quickly became best friends at the age of 17, and we were inseparable for years uh, when I first moved to Tauranga. In fact, many people didn't know which one was Dave and which one was Tim uh, at times. We were just known as Dave and Tim. Uh, we would drive everywhere together and his money was my money. Well, let me just explain that for a second. Uh, he always had more money than me, so when we went to Georgie Pie, uh, it was always his shout, all right? So, and he was always the one that was, he said to us, look, Dave, will never, ever get fat. And uh, he's maintained his physique, and I've got more manly as the years have gone by. Uh, we would drive everywhere together. Um, I think I owe him in the vicinity of 100K, uh, and that's in just in takeout alone. Uh, we laughed long and hard to the point where we often couldn't breathe, often about stupid things like words we made up, how to spell words we made up, like schwergen. I don't know how to spell that, but we figured that one out. Um, he was, uh, I was best man at his wedding, he was best man at mine, and uh, when his, his marriage imploded nine months after they got married, I was there for him in that moment. Um, one time I needed to go to Nelson urgently and I had no money to go, uh, being the, at the age of 17 or 18 at that time. And the next thing he showed up, he said to me, just wait a minute, the next thing he showed up at my house were the plane tickets to get me to go to Nelson. I think secretly he saw his moment and thought, I've had enough of Dave, let's get him out of here. Anyway, but these are just two types of the example of the relationship that God puts in our life. There are people that God puts in your life. Now, you guys will have your own stories. You will know exactly who these people are and you'll know exactly what they've done for you and they will always be there for you. It's just so important. So what I want to talk to you about today is that what these guys exemplified for me so, so well and so many other people is this thing, the one key ingredient that you need but no one wants. So what do you think that is? Let's bring up that slide. What is what the one key ingredient you need but no one wants? Here it goes. Conflict. Oh, yuck. It's crazy, right? Um, the Bible states in Proverbs 27 verse 17 that iron sharpens iron, and so a friend sharpens a friend. And there are moments where that are like iron against iron moments where about we get sharpened and we get honed in our life, and this thing called conflict is something that we actually need. Uh, hands up if you enjoy conflict. Okay, a couple of people, yep, a couple of people know, and I think the hands that I've seen up are people that know how to do it in a healthy way. Uh, not many of us enjoy conflict. We would rather run for the hills than have that awkward conversation. <clears throat> we would rather uh, just, just kind of concede than actually have that argument, but it is, it is an important thing to do. Uh, I worked for a guy one time that was actually very, very good at this, and uh, he was my boss, and then one day in a senior management meeting, we were having such an intense conversation that uh, quietly on the side, I was writing my resignation letter because I thought, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to survive this conversation. This conflict is so rough. I just want to get out of here. And then as the conversation kind of finished, he slammed his hands on the desk, bang. And he said this, he goes, oh, what a great conversation. Guys, you guys are the best team ever. Let's go have some lunch. It just freaked me out. So I just said to him, I just debriefed with him and said, what was going on there? And he just said this. Uh, he let me in a little secret that has steered me well to this day. He said, you don't actually know if people are really with you until you've had a moment of conflict and a moment of disagreement has arisen. And it's how we react that really matters in those moments. And then what he said was, he said, 
when we have conflict and even in the workplace or with your relationships, but you've still got each other's back afterwards, that's when we know we're good to go. It means we can go through the fire together. It means that we can do stuff. We don't need a yes culture. We don't need a culture whereabouts we all agree on everything. Sometimes we just have to agree to disagree. But sometimes we've got to just discuss these things out and we need to get it all out on the table. Uh, do you just love someone when it's just all going well or are we okay to disagree? Is that okay? I think for some of us, it's just a horrible thing. Are we okay to give correction to somebody that might actually need it? Are we okay to get into those relationship moments that really matter? So the Bible clearly talks about this in Ephesians 4 verse 15 that I read out before. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way to be more like Christ. That's what it means is to speak the truth in love. So now, Without further ado, I want to introduce you to my knife collection. So for those that don't know, I won't step off the stage here. Um, I am a uh, chef. I, we run a barbecue business and we do catering and we do masterclasses and all sorts of stuff. So I like to collect knives. I don't need this many knives, just to be honest, just to be really, really clear. But um, there are some awesome knives here. There's a lot of money on this board. Um, let me talk about this one. This one here is called... The Lazarus. It's a brand called Cain and Abel, and they've got a scriptural reference that says, into the field we must go. And I immediately gravitated. It's actually a friend of mine that owns it. It's made from recycled um, bike parts from, in Vietnam. So really, really cool. It's a nice knife, perfect for slicing lamb, perfect for carving things like your pork belly and things like that. Absolutely amazing knife. I'm just going to put that down there. We will pack this away right at the end of the service, so don't worry for your kids. You're good. Uh, this one here, this is a meat cleaver. Um, I'm just going to try and roll that off without actually losing the board. Oh, we got it. There we go. This is a blade uh, meat cleaver called um, Steph the Mouldy. And he's a guy that's up in Northland. And he, uh, he created this knife and he actually gave it this to me as a gift. Very special. I, I don't need to use it that much. I just use it so much because it kind of looks cool. It's really cool. Uh, next up I wanted to talk about was the Kaishun uh, brisket slicer. Now, Originally, my, my brisket slicer was actually this blade here. I was pretty ha- proud of that. That's what they call the hammer style. It's German steel. It's hardened. Uh, this one here is 67 layers of ice-hardened steel. They just build it up and things like that. And the story about this one here is um, Michelle was doing a lot of cooking and a lot of prepping, and she said to me one day, hey, I really would like my own, uh, my own brisket slicer. So I said, cool. So we're in Tauranga. She went and bought uh, this one here. It's pretty dainty, and it's got the serration on it. And one day I used it, and I was just like, oh, this is so good. So, so good. So I had to go and get my own. So this is a, a Kaishun blade, perfect for things like brisket and stuff like that. Uh, another one that I, that I absolutely love is this one uh, here. This one, I won't bother getting it off. This is a rib slicer, perfect for your ribs and things like that. So they've all got different purposes. But here goes one of my favorite, favorite blades of all time, and that's this guy here. Now, this guy here... I made this myself, all right? I went out to, my kids gave me a gift, and we went to Wakefield. And, uh, and in that day, it was like eight or nine hours, and I just recovered from COVID. So I, I was, was unaware of the hard work it was going to be. This started out as just a hunk of iron. Uh, that's all it was, just a hunk of steel, I should say, rather than iron. And it was just like, it looks like all the same, just these hunks of steel. But I kind of knew what I wanted it to look like. 
what the process was, was we had to get this hunk of steel and you'd put it in the flames, right? And the flames were hot. And I mean like, you know, um, 750 degrees, 800 degrees Celsius, like, I mean, like real hot. You've got to wear protective eye gear and you get it hot enough and then you put it on a bit of iron and you get a hammer and you hammer it and you beat it into submission. And then bit by bit, you got to start to actually get the shape that you want. And you get on these machines and you start to kind of hone them down and bring them backwards and forwards. And then, I don't know if you can see this, but there's four notches on the back of that. And this is like uh, my four children, which are like, like, uh, um, like strength to my knife. They're the, the things that are going to give me the strength. So anyway, what they then do is they take this blade once you've got it and the thing's actually ineffective at that stage. There's no, there's no blade on it whatsoever. It's just a shape of, of steel. And then what they've got to do, see that kind of that sharp kind of edge? They come in and they've got to just put it on a grinder and bit by bit they add the blade and then after that, they actually put another bit of steel on it. And it's that steel against steel process that actually makes this thing an effective thing. Now, here's the two things. Without it going through that process, through all of that heat, <clears throat> through all of that conflict, through all of that thing, this is going to be ineffective. It's just going to be a hunk of steel. It's got to go through the process. Now, here's the thing. The more I use this, it will not retain its effectiveness unless I continually put it through that sharpening process, that steel-on-steel process. I have to do that time and time again. Without it, the thing just becomes blunt and it becomes ineffective. I couldn't even slice a sandwich with it. <clears throat> but right now, this would go through a bit of um, pork belly like you wouldn't believe. I'm sorry if you're vegetarian here today. I apologise. <laughs> but I get pretty excited about that. And it's just like that with our relationships, is that <clears throat> actually what we need to do is we actually need to go through this process of steel on steel. We've got to go through a process of actually, number one, encouraging each other, actually loving one another like Donna was talking about this morning. We've got to go through a process of actually uh, learning together. We've got to go through a process of actually supporting each other in the hard times. And then there's also times where we've actually got to help bring correction and we've got to actually allow ourselves to go through a corrective process. And unless we do that, actually our relationships will just end up being ineffective. They will actually end up being a little bit blunt, so to speak. You ever had somebody who's just a... Uh, an acquaintance and rather than a friend, you haven't been through that process with them. You just haven't been through that. But if you've been through that process, it's just so good. The end result is a sharp blade, effective and cool to look at. And as I said, the truth is this blade will not remain sharp unless they continually go through that process. David Riddell actually phrases this really, really well. He says this, he says, we are poor self-assessors, underqualified for such a big task and we as human beings are inherently allergic to criticism and critique. Ooh, I really liked that. I'm going to repeat that one more time. We are poor self-assessors, underqualified for such a big task to assess ourselves. But we as human beings are also inherently allergic to criticism and critique. So we must actually go after it. Have we decided that no one can correct us? Have we decided that nobody will be able to speak into our world? Have you had that moment happen to you and you've decided I will never go after something with somebody, I will never actually go after a better relationship? Mm. Without a doubt, we've all been hurt. We've all been wounded by the words of someone. 
Uh, and it probably wasn't what they said. It was probably the way they said it, to be fair. And on the other side, we've probably also been on the other end where we have unintentionally hurt people with our words and we unintentionally actually uh, did not mean to hurt somebody, but we did. It's amazing that once words have got out there, you can't take them back anymore. They can actually go, go against it. Uh, we need to be really good at two things if we're going to have great relationships. Number one is this. We'll put them up on the screen. Is being quick to apologize. There we go. We've been quick to apologize when we get it wrong. That means for me as a father, if I get it wrong with my kids, my kids will have multiple moments where they know I've come to them and said, and they're here so they can actually say, you still know to this, uh, where I've gone to them and said, hey, I, I'm sorry, I got that wrong, or the way I said that wasn't quite correct, or whatever that, that might be. And number two, you need to be quick to forgive someone that has offended us. Here's a question for you. Do you find offense playing over and over in your mind late at night? Or do you find these words repeating over and over when you're in the quiet parts of your day? If you do do this, if you find yourself doing this, it's a clear sign that a resolution needs to be sought, that we need to find a way to actually go after this and actually put these things to, to bed. And the reason why I'm going hard after this today is because I really believe that God actually wants to take us through a process of restoration. So I think number one is we need to actually acknowledge the fact that these things have happened and that hurts have actually happened in our life. And if we can first of all acknowledge that, well then we need to then figure out how do I go after this thing and how do I actually uh, go after this area of conflict rather than actually just ignoring it. You may, you may need to go and address the situation with somebody and you may need to rediscuss it with somebody. You may need to reconcile it in your own heart with God get some counselling first, and that may be enough. You may not need to go and see the person. You just might need to reconcile that something was said and it wasn't about you, it was about that person. You may need to reach out to someone that you have offended and apologise. You may need to make a phone call today. Boy, it's going to take some courage, I tell you. Courageous discussions or courageous conversations are just such an important thing to have. You may need to reach out to someone that you've pushed away and you might need to reconnect, them, reconnect with them. Maybe there's somebody that actually just offended you so bad that you're just like, stuff you, I don't need you anymore. So you just kind of shun them and put them to, to the side. And I think that all of us right now can probably think of somebody that's like that. And if you, and if you haven't, well then that is also fantastic. With that said, I actually wanna get a little bit practical with you just for a couple of minutes. I wanna actually answer the question, of some really basic how to do healthy conflict. Is that all right with you guys? Yep, good with Paul Fox, that's good. Awesome. You may wanna take notes if you wanna, I'm gonna roll through these pretty fast. Okay, number one, I'm gonna bring this up on the screen. We are going to embrace the idea that you will need to embrace conflict. Embrace the idea that you're going to need to embrace conflict. Avoiding conflict is like avoiding going to the dentist. Uh, we've got Josiah down here today who's uh, training to be a dentist. He's just about finished his dentistry and um, training, whatever, what do they call that man? Dental training, there you go. Um, if you avoid going to the dentist, it's eventually going to cause long-term issues. It eventually will cause rot to happen in, in your life. And if you don't embrace this part of your life, you're going to eventually have long-term rot that happens in your soul. You're going to have parts of your life that are going to be broken that you actually can't handle. Uh, it may end in broken relationships, financial struggles, even career disasters, and maybe even divorce. Uh, number two, 
A conflict should always be about reconciliation, all right? This is, this is crucial. Conflict should never be about, about a one-up or an I told you so. It should not be an emotionally charged personal attack used to prove your point that you just wanted to get out there and prove your point. It should always be to bring reconciliation and to find a way to move forward with somebody. If you've had a beef with somebody, it's about trying to figure that out. Uh, the fact is we don't have ongoing conflict with people we, we don't care about. We don't have ongoing conflict with people that we actually are just our acquaintances. You know, it's the people that we love and it's that actually offend us. It's the people that we love that we offend accidentally and, and haphazardly sometimes. Uh, if people don't take your critique well, don't take offense about it. You can only do what you can do. You can only raise that issue. I'd also say this, only go after something if it is your responsibility and your, your authority to actually go with, to, uh, to go with it with that person. You know, you, uh, you might need to leave it alone if it's not actually your area, if you're not close with somebody, just don't even raise it. And uh, number, uh, this one's really important. Make sure that you really know the person. Do you truly love them and do you truly want the best for them? Um, quite a funny story. We had a guy in our church called, uh, called Liam. And um, we had been, I'd been uh, chatting with Liam for about six weeks and we'd met in a cafe to talk through this area of conflict in his life and we'd been talking through this, this issue. At the end, I said, would it be okay if I prayed with you, Liam? And Liam goes, yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, it was in a cafe, it was crowded, so I had to get his permission. So I just prayed for him and said, God, I just want to thank you for Liam. And he just goes, actually, can I just stop you there? And I thought, oh, he, he's getting awkward now that it's in a cafe. He just goes, well, um... It's just that you've been calling me Liam for the last six weeks, and uh, my name's not actually Liam, it's Phil. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said to him, I said, no, your name's Liam. He goes, no, it, it's Phil. And, you know, the other day some people were praying for me, and um, they also called me Liam. And what had happened was somebody came and said, what's that guy's name again? I said, it's Liam. So anyway, so, so Liam, um, actually Phil, I should say, uh, then he turns to me and goes, oh, I've been wondering if God's been speaking to me about changing my name. And, you know, I've gone and had a look and it's only $150 to do it on the registry. And I said to him, no, 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 no. This is not your beef. This is mine. I apologise. Um, Phil doesn't come to the church anymore. Oh, we're still good friends though. He's just moved on. He doesn't live in Nelson anymore. He's good. Anyway, so anyway, make sure that you've got relationship with them before you go after any issues, all right? To make sure that you know that their name is Phil, not Liam. Number three, uh, oh, by the way, I'll never live that down. If I don't know, if, I've, if I introduce somebody, if I'm talking with somebody and you come up, right, and I don't introduce the person to you, this is your cue to, to ask them what their name is because I've forgotten, all right? So... <laughs> I'm, ter- I'm, I'm actually Danny. I'm serious, man. I'm terrible with names. I got your name right. Uh, even with my kids, I'm like, Trinity. And they're like, my name's Nathan. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it has happened, hasn't it, guys? Yep. Okay. There you go. Okay. Number three, do it in person. Um, we don't do conflict. This is really crucial. We don't do it over, over email. You don't do it over text message. You don't text the person and say, I've got beef with you. Here's the issues. I've got an issue. One, two, three, four, five. Now meet with the person. And as you talk with them, first seek to understand. Body language and tone are lost in translation. You cannot read that in a text message. I mean, I've received several messages from people that I thought were actually trying to tell me something. And when I, when I rang them and I said, let's catch up, and we caught up and like, let's talk about this text you said. And they're like, oh, no, I didn't mean that at all. You know, and it's amazing how we think we've communicated, but we haven't. Here's a good technique. 
Repeat back what you think you're hearing. So, okay, so I, I am hearing you say this, because it's amazing that probably nine times out of 10, that person's gonna say to you, no, that's not what I'm saying. No, you're mishearing this. You're loading this with your own, uh, with your own stuff here. You're loading this with your own preconceptions. You're loading this with something. Okay, number four, don't use the drop and run technique. Have you ever had anybody use that on you? They come and tell you what's wrong with you and then they leave. You cannot respond to them at all. Don't do that. It's not gonna help anybody. Listen to each other when you, when you have these moments of, of disagreement. Stick to the main point. Don't go back through the history of every time something's happened. Actually figure out what the, what the issue is. Don't use phrases like, you always do this, because I bet you they don't always do that. I bet you they've probably done it once or twice and it's just starting to grate on you a little bit. Don't use phrases like, uh, um, I, um, other people uh, are feeling the same way as well. That's not helpful. If they've got the beef, let them talk to them. Don't raise a grievance on behalf of somebody else. You've got to do it yourself. This is what's really, really important. Don't exaggerate to get your point across. Don't say, you, do, you know, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, I don't like this. You probably haven't. You've probably told them once or twice and they haven't even heard you. Uh, don't, do it, don't do it to make yourself feel better, just to get it off your chest. Don't go just to drop that thing and drop a bomb. It's got to be about reconciliation. It's got to be about, about doing that. Uh, never have confrontation <clears throat> when you're heated. This is a really important one, and I've, I'll add to that. Don't do it before lunch. Uh, make sure you've got a good meal under your belt first. All right? If you are hungry, there's this thing called hanger. You get hungry and angry at the same time, and it, make, it actually intoxicates you a little bit. It really does. Um, if you're emotional about it, you're going to struggle to articulate yourself. So what I suggest is this. Write, write it down. What's the issue? I remember one guy said to me one time, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you, you're thinking you've got a thousand problems, he said, just get up and write them down. I bet you you've probably only got about five problems and they just repeat throughout the cycle of the night. You can probably go, right, I can fix this problem tomorrow, so now I've got a game plan. I, can, I can't do anything about this problem, so I'm not going to bother about it. And the other three are for another day. Well, you've got a game plan, you're going to sleep so much better now. Write it down. Figure out what the key thing is. Narrow it down to you, the biggest issue you want to talk through. And it might be an issue within you. It might not just be addressing the other person. Uh, remember that just because you feel a certain way doesn't make it factual. Just because you're feeling angry about it doesn't make it factual. There's always two sides to the argument. You know, it's amazing. Uh, number six, get awkward before it gets awful. Uh, Graham Hestop uh, preached a message on this a while back about this. It was so good. Let's be honest here. It's going to be an awkward conversation. You, the, you're going to have conflict. There's going to be an awkward conversation. And you're going to overthink it. You're going to play out every scenario in your mind about what they might say. And guess what? They're going to say something totally different. And your game plan is going to be thrown off. Just go in and just say, I just want to just talk about such and such. I want to talk about this thing that's happened. I want to talk about this thing because I love you and I want to be able to get through this moment. Really, really important uh, I, can, I can guarantee you that if you don't get awkward and have awkward conversations, it's going to get awful. It's going to get to the point whereabouts you do feel like you want to run. It's going to get to the point whereabouts you want to actually not have relationship with this person. And then often it gets to the point where divorce happens or you have a, a breaking up of relationship of parents and kids or, you know, you have a breakup of friendships. What used to be a great friendship is no longer because you couldn't move past this one issue. We've got to be bigger than that because God exemplified that. Jesus came, he made a way, it was incredible. Number seven, oh, this is a good one. Choose your battles. Choose what things you want to go after. Proverbs 12 verse 19 says, there is one who speaks rashly, like the thrust of a knife. 
but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I'm going to rephrase this. Uh, In other words, you're going to have to let a lot of stuff go. (laughs) You're just going to have to go, you know what? This just isn't worth, this just isn't worth the discussion. This is good. I'm going to pick pick the things that are going to go after it. Uh, If you are known uh, for going after every issue, you know that one person that just wants to correct you every single time and they just, every time you see them, they want to correct something else. You're going to become a little bit unpopular, right? You can't be that person. We've got to find ways to encourage more than correct. We've got to find ways to love more than correct. It's so, so important. Uh, before you go after the situation, uh, ask yourself the issue, is what I'm about to raise going to actually help the situation? Is it actually going to help bring clarity? Is it going to help do that? Most importantly, don't win the argument for the sake of losing the friend. There's no point being right, but then being wrong ultimately because it's like winning the, the, the battle but losing the war. You know, you won that one, enough, but you don't have the relationship anymore. And number eight, and we'll get the band up now. This, this might seem like the most unspiritual topic in the world, but I've got to tell you, this thing is just so, so crucial. Uh, number eight, go after your own issues first. Before you correct, before you seek to correct something, before you seek to uh, get the one up, we just get your own issues first. Perhaps this should be first in the list, I don't know. Or maybe this list is just cyclic. Whereas we just keep on going around and around it. But imagine having the issues that everyone knew about in you and they never raised it because, oh, that's just Dave. Imagine that, oh, we're not going to talk to Dave about that because that's just Dave. He, Dave's just got no filter. You know, we're not going to talk to him about that. Mate, I'm so thankful I've got friends in my life that have sat me down and said, we need to talk about this because I've, I've noticed that you're doing this and it's starting to bring a little bit of offence. And I've noticed that you're doing this and it's starting to really write me off. I'm so thankful because if I don't know, I can't deal with the situation. I cannot go after it. So what that means is that they are called blind spots and they're called blind spots for a reason because we don't see them literally it's like in the car you know like when you drive a Suzuki Swift there's more blind spots in that than there actually are seeing spots (laughs) if you've ever driven one of those I'd also say this stop being allergic to conflict it's your best friend stop being allergic to it just it's not that you have to have it every all the time but you've got to have it from time to time I'd also say this don't don't take things so personally bro (laughs) assess is this correct if somebody brings something up if it's not hand the cat back to them and if it fits wear it and figure out I've got to figure out a way to actually get through this I've got to find a way to get better because you know we at the end of the day we want to be the best friends that there are we want to be the best people that uh, that can really exemplify Christ's love right so we've got to do that in our own relationships first now I actually wonder if this message has been triggering for some people today and I wonder if some people are sitting there going man this is kind of like a a self-help book or maybe this is like like why are we even talking about this but I wonder if it's actually been triggering for some people and I wonder actually when I was praying about this because I could have gone a totally different route in relationships I could have talked about the David and Jonathan type relationships and those guys and just really talked about all the good things that we need in life but I really felt God leading us to talk about conflict this morning I really felt like God was saying, Dave, there's going to be some people in the room that actually uh, need to hear this message. And I really felt like God saying, there are some undealt with issues in your past and our past that we need to deal with. And as I said before, for some of you, that's going to mean a conversation. 
For some people, it's going to mean an apology to people. For some people, it's going to mean making a time to meet up and say, can we talk about that time that thing happened because I want my relationship with you back. And I really believe that God wants to heal some people here today of your past hurt, of your past discussions, as I said before. Words can't be taken back once they're spoken, but we can replace them with correct words. And we can actually say the words that spoken were not correct. And maybe you've been repeating these phrases over and over in your head. And just maybe you're wanting freedom from this feeling of pain. Maybe you just want some freedom from this feeling of pain that you've been feeling. So I just wonder if we just give some privacy to your neighbour right now. Let's just shut our eyes. And let's do some business with God right here, right now. Because I, I believe that in a moment like this, God can actually undo the hurts of the past. God can actually undo the hurts of things that have happened. And I'm not doing this today to bring those things up or to get an emotional response, but I'm believing that God wants us to be healthy, hold people with amazing relationships. And we're gonna sing this chorus in a second, then sings my soul. And I want us to, uh, in that moment, just do some business with God. But I'm just gonna pray first. So Lord God, right now, I just ask, Lord God, for my friends here, Lord God, for this message, Lord God, that that might seem a little bit uh, too practical or maybe a little bit too on the, the downside of it. But Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, that right now you wanna do business. And Father, I just speak, Lord God, the words of life over them. Lord God, I speak your words over us. Lord God, I break the power of the past. Lord, I break the power of those words that were spoken. Lord God, I just, I just want to speak life. Lord, I want to speak love. I want to speak your acceptance. Lord God, I want to speak your different words. And Lord, I just pray that for anybody who's offended us right now, if that's you, I'm just going to pray a prayer for you, Lord. I pray for anybody who's been offended. Lord God, anybody who feels like their relationships have been broken, Lord, that you would bring a restoration, Lord God, that you would bring a peace, Lord, like no other. Lord God, that you would right now be doing business with them. And Lord God, right now, I, I also speak for anybody who knows that they've offended somebody, even accidentally. Lord, I pray for a, a sense of relief, Lord God, and a release from the guilt that that's brought upon them. And I just pray, Lord God, that right now, Lord, that you would just speak a life-giving love over them. And today, I just want to thank you for that. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We can just stand to our feet right We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info or visit our website.